Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dosh, Rinko Levers. Hey everybody and welcome back to Wrong and Wronger. I am Steve Zippy, the great host Olivas, and he is James, the human rain delay breakwell. You have reached the podcast where we talk about things that don't matter to anybody, no matter when we fire up. And James, man... I'll ask you what we're going to talk about this week, but first, I got to find out how you're doing, man. You seem a little under the weather. My voice is going, which is great joy to you, but a great disappointment <laughs> to our listener singular. But you know what? Maybe this, just this one week, I'm going to have to let you do most of the talking. Although I'm sure once oh. I once I hear the terrible ideas that come out of your mouth, I will destroy <laughs> what's left of my vocal cords in an attempt to talk over you. So we know how that's going to go. James is well-rested and tanned and toned, fresh off of a long and rejuvenating vacation. And me, I am screaming to God, you got to turn this treadmill off at some point. So James, of course, comes in sick with a whole train wreck full of technological problems that push back our start time. But I am fresh as a daisy compared to you, Breakwell. Yeah, I had to go buy an appliance because somebody broke my stove. And those of you who read my newsletter, unlike Steve, <laughs> know exactly what that story is. And uh, so we were we were getting that set up. And so I got home at exactly 8 o'clock because I am nothing if not punctual. And then it took me a while to get the computer switched over. Things happened. I'm not moving as fast as I used to. I am old. I am sick. And I'm talking to Steve, which is just really just the worst possible three-part combo you can have to cap off an evening. Well, I finally read your uh, your newsletter, James. I almost said read your voicemail, but, <laughs> you know, I would just delete that sucker before listening. But uh, your newsletter this week chronicled the events of your vacation with your kids. Not a staycation, which is a Breakwell staple, uh -huh. but a vacation where you actually went and did things. And I thought this week, James, because you are giving your kids the childhood that dreams are made of, you and I, though, we grew up in a different era. So I was thinking about what was my favorite vacation as a kid. And it's a mess when I think back on what my parents would have to do with no money. I don't know about your... Uh, oh, my God. Alexa's talking to me. Did I say a word that sounded like her name? My God, I am like... Pee with the door open alone in this house, and I've got a woman talking back to me. James, I thought it was my mother's voice in my head for a second. Holy smokes. I don't even know what I was You've saying. You've been Can alone you for the ball 30 and seconds in the last two years, and you're already going crazy. You clearly need other people, and I don't count. But anyway, you were talking about how you, basically our parents had to scrimp by, and vacations were probably not what we think of as vacations today. But I really want to hear what yours were. Both because okay. I want to hear what vacations were back were like back when dinosaurs walked the earth, and also my throat is killing me. So please, take it away. Oh, very good. My parents yeah. kind of blew their whole wad when I was too young because I am... Now, you've got four kids. I was one of four boys. And so, but for you, see, you had all of yours, like, within the same year. Yeah. I, I don't know how you and Lola were able to pull that one off, but... 
us, there was a, a fairly sizable gap between me and my next oldest brother. So there was a, I had a good run being the only child. And when I was seven, actually, we were on the road when I turned seven. So this was late six, early seven. We went from, I lived in Wisconsin. We went from Wisconsin and drove to Disney World in Orlando, Whoa. Florida. I know. My parents spent like north of $100 on me, and they, they capped my whole budget right there. Like, I never <laughs> got another penny out of them. But the point is, I remember the whole thing. I had a, a new camera that I got for my birthday. There were pictures I still have from that trip, and it was fabulous. And then my brothers started coming, James, one after the other, and life skittered downhill from there. Not only crimping my personal style, because I, at 15, had to share a room with my infant brother. I had a crib in my room. <laughs> and as you can imagine, being a 16-year-old hotshot, which obviously I was. I mean, you can just look at me and figure that out. Bringing a chick home, having her come upstairs, work on a little chemistry homework. That's what we tell the folks. With a crib in the room, not a great thing. But vacations from that point forward were done on a shoestring. I believe you used that word. Sorry to pull it back. Budget. We never did anything other than go camping for roughly a week. It couldn't have been a full week, though. I don't think my dad would have taken that much time off work, and I don't think he could stand being around the kids for that much time anyway. But we camped literally every year from the year I was eight until I moved out of the house at 18. And uh, we tried to vary the campgrounds, but there's not a lot of variation in general when you go camping. And we didn't have like a pop-up trailer. We didn't have one of these 45-foot mobile homes that you see on DIY or HGTV or whatever they are. Now, we had a leaky tent. And so most of my childhood vacations, I'm coming to a summary here, most of my childhood vacations were spent laying in a stinky, musty tent listening to rain fall on the roof because in Wisconsin, you don't get a full week of sunshine, even in August. Mm -hmm. So it was a wet disaster. We'd have to be at the laundromat two or three days just to uh, dry and wash all the muddy, yicky stuff. I didn't have much of a vacation. Now that we had kids and have a little more money, I, it's funny because when my son moves out on his own, life is going to be quite a shock to him to find out what exactly things cost and what <laughs> he has to pay for on his own. But be that as it may, I didn't want to talk about adult vacations because you and I make way more than our parents did, and it's not fair. But when we were kids, man, we had to scrape. I'm wondering if you had a better even experience than me, despite the fact that you're one of 27. We did not go camping, thankfully, most of the time. There was one camping trip, and I'll get to that. Uh, usually, our one and only vacation uh, was to go back to Iowa. So I was born in Iowa, lived there till I was in second grade. Then we moved to Illinois. And every vacation, it started out four times a year, then three, then two. We kind of gradually worked it back. It was just driving back to rural Iowa to visit relatives. That's what we did over and over and over again. And granted, I loved it. The drive was hellacious, and it took us way more hours than it should have because of all the bathroom breaks and car breakdowns and terrible weather and all of that. Uh, but we got there, and there was infinite grandparent food, and there were nine million cousins. So it was a good time. Now, I'm gonna. We did. We never did Disney World. I, I did not live that crazy life of privilege. Uh, but although I will say, you thinking you you're a 17 year old had to share a, a room with an infant. I was 
when I was 21, my my toddler brother was sleeping in my closet when I was back home from college. He thought it was his room. Now there was no door on the college, so or on the on the closet, so it was like a closet, yeah. it was like a little cutout. So he thought he was he was pretty hot <laughs> stuff back there. But the worst vacation, which is probably the most elaborate vacation we went on, was this religious retreat. And it's uh, so you can see where this is going already. So you know how, <laughs> you know what a, a spiritual person I am to my core. And, uh, you know, this sarcasm and this, this uh, sardonicness did not start at the whatever age I am now. It's been there all along. Uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll try to avoid saying the name of the place, I, but I think it's still open. But anyway, there was basically, it was a Catholic camp where you went as a family and uh, you just like hung out and did Catholic things. And it's exactly as lame as it sounds. So anyway, there was this other super Catholic family that talked my parents into it, made it sound like it was going to be this great thing. So we go out there. Uh, in the middle of nowhere, and first of all, it, it is actual literal camping. Like it's not like one of these like glorified oh. glamping kind of situations. Like no, we threw up a tent. Oh. We were legitimately sleeping on the ground for a week, which right off the bat is a deal breaker for me. Then there was the daily mass, which was just like in this giant pole barn. And I, I don't know if you've ever encountered a <laughs> Catholic before, but there's a lot of kneeling, and it had a concrete yeah. floor, and there were no kneelers. And they still wanted oh, you to kneel punishment. on a concrete floor. It was the craziest thing. And like, it seemed like the whole time there, they were just soliciting for donations as we're, you know, every day kneeling on this concrete floor. It's like, maybe, maybe I would donate money if you would buy some freaking padded kneelers. And then, you know, I have the whole thing, like you have everybody has to stop and say the Hail Mary at a certain time. It was all this weird stuff. But here was the real kicker. Their actual target audience was teenagers, which is what I was at the same, at the time. So at night right. they have like this indoctrination thing where they call you all in under this big tent and they try to teach you various things that I would just tune out. Like one night, the biggest disaster was they tried to tell girls to uh, to dress modestly. And I just want you to imagine taking a bunch of teenage girls from around the country who have no loyalty to you <laughs> and telling them they're dressing wrong. Oh my god, that was that was a uh, that was a meltdown. That was that was a fun time, but mostly during the day. See, everybody else got to go and do what they wanted, but the teenagers were peeled off as a workforce. It was the weirdest oh, thing. Like 90%. They wanted you to pay to work? Yeah, we did. Them? We paid there. We were camping. The amenities were awful. At one point, they ran out of water. They were shipping it in on trucks. <laughs> I remember, I still very distinctly remember. So they ran out of hot water, definitely. They had like, there were limited water supplies overall, but especially hot water. And my dad thought, well, I'm not going to go shower in the real showers. I'll go shower at the pool showers. Nobody's using those. Well, apparently the pool showers had no hot water. So I was next in line to take a shower after him. I used to remember him, it, it was, they were so limited on the water, it wouldn't run continuously. You had to like pull a cord, it would spray you for three seconds and stop. I just remember him spraying himself over and over with this freezing cold water and screaming reaching out in agony, just repeating and repeating. And when he was done, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to take a shower today. But anyway, what the, what the kids, what the teenagers were doing is they were building cabins for other people to stay in. Like these little, they, they look like, like the sheds you put behind your house to put your lawnmower. And that's, that's yeah. what I was saying, the dimensions. So they're, they're staining and building and doing all of this, <laughs> supplying this free labor. Cause it's supposed to teach us something or another. I don't know, maybe the value of being exploited. I, however, somehow, I don't know what happened or what I did. I drew a plum assignment. I got sent out with this one guy. It was me and this other kid, and then one of the, the 
staff people. Like it was, this was like a religious vocation place. So these were just regular civilian people, but they like lived here and swore their lives to this camp. But his job was to cut down trees. So we were just out there destroying nature, which was okay. There was a chainsaw involved. There were some heavy hedge clippers. There was some danger. At one point, we definitely almost dropped a tree on ourselves. Like we had to sprint for our lives. And that was probably about the highlight of my time there was almost dying. Uh, so anyway. Wow. We paid money for this this cult Catholic experience, and uh, we never went back. And that was by far our biggest vacation, and I think it taught us all a valuable lesson about doing something other than driving to <laughs> Iowa. And we just went to Iowa from then on. I can't. I thought you were going to say, and maybe this is just because of my history, that your parents sent you to this camp. Your parents willingly attended this mess? We were deceived. I mean, if you've got another like couple friend, like they had three kids and they were like, yeah, it's the best thing ever. I mean, why would they lie to you? Why did they lie to us? I don't know. Turns oh, out man. you can be so religious that you just like can't see reality. I just, it was, it was not a good experience. <laughs> I would have gladly paid money to not go there. Like it was that kind of vacation. Like whatever the cost was, I will just pay you this money to never contact me again. And we will just never again speak of this weekend. Or I know it was a week. It was a whole freaking week. Oh, bad memories. Man, I remember when I was a teenager going to Catholic, like it was a weekend camp, but it was just the teenagers. It was our CYM group, Catholic Youth Ministry. Yeah. But it was like Caligula out there. There were like two parental chaperones we were in the Milwaukee School for the Blind Building. So we had like a gymnasium and a dormitory all to ourselves. And uh, once the adults drank too much and passed out, like we had a run of the place. And I remember still making out with Chris Pettit outside, like on the playground. And it was glorious, James. I love Catholic camp, man. Are you Catholic? <laughs> Yeah. How has this never well, come I mean, up? Like you, I think I used to be. We've had we've had a million episodes together, and this has never one time come up. Not one time. <laughs> Two podcasts a week. Well, I guess I just don't <laughs> ask any details about your life. Apparently, how about that? I tell you what, I remember when I was out because uh, I God, not sure if this is suitable for a podcast, but I remember all the boys got. Like the girls had to get herded for the the Catholic version of the sex talk, and the boys got herded in like another room yeah. of theirs. And I remember having it explained that it was a sin to touch yourself, and I thought I'm out. <laughs> and that that made absolutely no sense to me. And uh, from then on, I'm like, there is there's a whole lot that doesn't make sense here, and uh. I just like uh, drifted until Catholic Youth Ministry Camp at the Milwaukee School for the Blind. Glorious, James. Well, I'm glad you turned it around, and I'm glad you avoided the certain camp in Ohio. Because let me tell you something, that thing was a trap, and parents would fall for it. I will say, we I guess we had some other vacations that were shorter. So we went, so I had relatives in Minneapolis, too. The ones, most of the ones in Iowa eventually dripped up to Minneapolis. We went up there one time to the Mall of America, to the amusement park. That was a good time. Ooh, nice. And then there's Indiana Beach, which is just a, a classic attraction. It's like the, the right kind of amusement park where it's exciting because there's a legitimate risk of death. Like, you don't know that they've calibrated these machines properly for the roller coasters and all of that. And, and after, Wait, is it an actual beach? Yeah, it's a it's a dammed river that became a, a lake, and they and they built a, like a tiny amusement park on it with these really old rickety rides oh. and a, a decent <laughs> water park. And so once a year we'd go up there, 
and uh, risk our lives for a full day and then come home and get frosties at McDonald's. And it was it was a good time. I did enjoy that. That was also much better yeah. than Catholic death camp. <laughs> but our Catholic group actually did some pretty fun things. We went tobogganing uh, at a big hill somewhere. I don't even remember where in rural Wisconsin somewhere. I think we had a ski trip one time. Like there were some cool things that we did as a group of teenagers, which looking back, I think... I, what did they expect to happen? That we would all fall into line and smile and be in bed at 10 o'clock and say please and thank you? Like, very little adult supervision, a whole bunch of 16 and 17 year olds, co-ed running around. Like, it was exactly what you'd think it would be. And it was fabulous. <laughs> nobody died. Nobody ended up in jail. And as near as I could tell, nobody got a tattoo or got married. Did you ever do Kairos? Do what? Okay, I'm going to say no. There, There's this, like, teenage Catholic intensive retreat they do. I didn't know that's what it was called. but uh, And they offered it in college, too, and I never went on it, obviously. I'm not going to do something like that of my own free will. But they uh, they offered it, or they, they made us go on it in high school. It was an overnight high school trip. And uh, it's one of those things they get you isolated. You're supposed to be closer to God. They have your parents write you sappy letters, things like that. Stuff, the kind of, the kind of thing that has no effect on me. But anyway, the, the priest was there with us. And I, my main memory from that is some kids brought like this million candle power flashlight, just the brightest flashlight you can imagine. <laughs> and they just kept shining it in his window all night. And he was so mad. Like, can you infuriate a priest? You absolutely can. Uh, that was, oh, that was a good time. And then uh, oh, there was another part. Like we had, like so we got letters from our parents, and then they, we had letters from quote unquote Jesus that they handed out. What I, I don't know what Jesus would have to say to us. And then the priest was going we around. This so. the sleep deprived priest who had been kept all night up all night by the <laughs> the flashlights going around. As we read a letter, said, "Did you get good news? Did you get good news?" And I go to him and I go, "Yeah, I got a letter from Jesus." <laughs> Just <that> was, <laughs> Apparently my, my restraint was at an end at that point. I, this, this is one of the people who was making a full court press for me to be a priest, which is one of the stories I, I tell in my, my upcoming book. Uh, I get into that. They pushed so hard for me to be a priest. Uh, and as you can see, that would have been the worst match in the world. Like I would have destroyed everybody's faith. I would have brought down that whole institution. It's like, if they let him in this, none of this could be real. That's that would be the deal breaker. Well, that's why my family left. My dad got pissed at what the priests sort of came and went. They either that yeah. one died literally, or the others retired. But my dad <coughs> got mad at one of them and said, "We ain't going back." And that was the end of that. Nice. I've got uh, I've got some relatives who they I've never heard of anybody else doing this before. But you know how tithing works. Well, they didn't just like take your word for it, give what you can, or assess yourself. Like <laughs> they went and audited, and my <laughs> my relatives had farmland, what? so it's like worth a lot. They're like, this is what you owe, and they're like, yep, we're out, and they just never went back. <laughs> Wow, this is what you owe. Yeah. And I guess I've heard, you know, I'll go ahead. Oh, that was like a big scandal in the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages that they were selling lots into heaven. Like uh, you could purchase your way into the pearly gates, according to whomever was the Pope at the time. And they they don't even sell them anymore. Now you just get nothing. (laughs) You just, you give that money (laughs) just because. 
yeah, so that, uh, that that's pretty uh, that, that is pretty brutal. So that that got them out of there. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, well, you get a mention in the bulletin. Yeah, there you go. You get you, you be a good person. I'm sure I'm sure they'll take that into account in heaven somewhere. I I would not. Uh, I would very much not appreciate being audited. I, I don't. Although um. I guess uh, I think Protestants do it a lot better than us. I know, like those uh, those evangelical churches that pop up, or it's just like you know one charismatic minister goes, and yeah. I know that there were a couple of those that were built in our town, and uh, people were like mor really? mortgaging their houses to pay for these things. And it's like holy cow! I cannot imagine being that dedicated to anything, even something that would make me like live forever. Like, is immortality worth a second mortgage? Yeah, no, I think I'm okay. <laughs> One life is probably enough. I can save some money. You gotta cut, gotta gotta pinch those pennies where you can. Oof! But this wasn't even like a preacher that the people knew. This was just a concept that they were literally well, buying. Into. I think usually what happens is you start in a storefront or someplace smaller, and then you get to be bigger and bigger, and you get everybody fired up when they donate money and. You know, there's a. I'm I'm in Indianapolis. I mean, I'm in like the heartland of of mega churches out here. They all they end up. A lot of them are in buildings that look like. Uh, I don't know if they do this down where you are, but in Indianapolis, we're kind of at like the crossroads of America. All the interstates run right through here, yeah. and so rather than being like on a major river, you got the interstate. They just throw up all these warehouses for Amazon and everybody else. It's these giant things, and they can build them in like a day and a half. They just put up all these big prefabricated walls. Uh, yeah. and, uh, that's what some of the churches are in They're in these like giant warehouses that get thrown up real fast. And do you need a million square feet for a congregation? Well, maybe, I mean, if you don't make them kneel on concrete floors, they'll probably give you money. Maybe that's what the Catholics were doing wrong all along. Boy, for one of my commute shows recently, I can't remember what the tie in with the guest was, but I went through the top 10 mega churches in the US and the numbers are mind boggling. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you just put a dollar figure to that, uh, uh, the streets in heaven are definitely painted or paved with gold. Yeah, and then there's all these scandals. There's that one in LA where Justin Bieber went, and they, they there's all this financial malfeasance now, and people were cheating. But you know what? That's every church, and the Catholic Church definitely can't point fingers at that one. I mean, let's we do not want to get into skeletons in the closet there. I think I think in general, anytime money and power is involved, bad things happen, and we really veered off course from uh, our our vacation talk. But I'm glad you went to Disney World. I'm glad you had a good time. I'm dedicating my life to never take. <laughs> Taking my kids there because it just sounds like it'd be miserable. You've never been to Disney? It would be like six or seven thousand dollars for us to go for three or four days, and uh, one of my kids is Ooh. terrified of flying. And the, from my understanding, from my friends who've actually gone, like you've got to plan it like a military campaign. Like you book times for attractions now, so you can do two things a day. You're and if, kidding. And if you book those two and you get them done, you can book a third. It's like, holy cow, you're paying all this money for three or four things a day. And, you know, I don't want to, my kids are going to want to get signatures from princesses. And those princesses are just some college intern, you know, earning money on the summer. And like, I don't want to wait for two hours in line for a, for a signature from some college kid. I really don't. Man, I wanted to get one of them so badly on my show because I had one uh, years ago. I had a business and my secretary used to be one of them. Really? And she would tell me stories. And I thought that's actually pretty interesting. I will say we did Disney right because we went uh, to Disney probably five or six years ago. I don't remember. But 
My wife has uh, an injury that I think I've told you about it a million years ago, but she can't walk very well and she can't stay on her feet for very long. Yeah. So she got one of those um, rascals. If you're on a rascal, you and your entire party go right to the front of the line. Every wow. single attraction, no questions asked. So, man, we killed it that day. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you found a way to abuse the system. I guess I will have to break. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if I break my leg, I'm booking a trip to Disney World and I will get on one of those rascals. Uh, I'm telling you, man, there's worse <coughs> things that you can do. I Clearly. And as long as you're not in good favor with God anymore because of this very episode. Yes. Then uh, what the heck? You got nothing to lose. I always wonder what would be the thing that pushed me over the edge to going to hell. And if I wasn't there right before, <laughs> this episode definitely put me there. So thanks for that. I'm glad this was worth it. Well, that's a good note to end on. We're going to be probably very warm for the next few weeks. And if you don't see us ever again, you'll know exactly what happened. Look in the news for lightning strikes around the Indianapolis area. Until then, though, this is Steve Olivas, Dr. Steve, the one that still, thank you, Chris Pettit, is going to heaven because I found Catholic camp to be glorious. And he is James, probably going to take the escalator down, break well. You can thank all of his attitude for that. Until next week. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. And remember, as uh, we always say, two wrongs, please, and make a right.